They bound the hands of Jesus in the garden where he prayed. They led him through the streets in shame. They spat upon the Savior so pure and free from sin. They said, crucify him, he's to blame. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the precious head they placed a crown of thorns they laughed and said behold the king they struck him and they cursed him and they mocked his holy name all alone he suffered everything he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him His mother stood nearby. He said, Woman, behold thy son. He cried, I thirst for water, but they gave him none to drink. Then the sinful work of man was done. He mercy cried the cross of shame he took alone and when he cried it's finished 
He gave himself to die. Salvation's wondrous plan was done. He That's a good song, isn't it? What a, what a message in that song, amen? Just pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, what a blessing that is. What a blessing it is. Well, let's go ahead and take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse 11 today. Let's take a look at a particular young man in Scripture, one that you might be familiar with. We often refer to him as the prodigal son. Why was the glowworm unhappy? I think that's the question today. Because her children weren't very bright. <laughs> I hope you're bright today. I hope you're ready to listen and hear. And since this is church, I want to bring a very spiritual thought to you today and remind you of this and maybe encourage you. I'll ask you a question and we'll learn something today. Why didn't the two worms go on to Noah's Ark in an apple? Because everyone had to go in pairs. You'll never ever ask that question and have to answer it again. You'll know it for sure. You'll have it figured out. They had to go in pairs. Couldn't go in an apple. All right. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. <clears throat> Jesus is going to share a parable with us now. A parable uh, is, is something that God's going to use to teach us. He's going to share something with us. And He's going to share this with those who are genuine, that are honest, that are sincere with God, that, that truly want to learn something. So you have to open your heart today and you have to say, Okay, Lord, I really want to hear what you have for me. I, I, I don't necessarily want to go into this with preconceived ideas. I don't already believe I know who you are, what you're about. I want you to tell me who you are and what you're about. And so I'm, I'm going to come to you openly, honestly today. And if we do that, parables are productive. They're, they're positive. They're, they're profitable. But if we don't go to God's Word that way with a parable, then we just basically don't get it. And that's how God intended it to be. And God basically said, those Pharisees, those Sadducees, those religious leaders, I'm going to speak to you in parables, my people, so that they don't get it. I don't want them to get it. If you're not going to come to me honestly, if you're not going to really listen, if you're not going to really want to learn something, then fine. You don't have to. But if you're really genuinely sincere in wanting to know me, to learn about me, to, to grow in grace, then yes, by all means, let's learn something. So let's learn something today from the parable. He, he gives a parable. He goes on and says in verse 11 of chapter 15 of the book of Luke, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father... Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. 
Now, there's a lot, obviously, that went into that and, and has transpired here. I mean, the son didn't just, just walk up, I'm sure, and say, Father, give that which is mine. I want my portion. Oh, sure, son, go right ahead. I don't believe that's how it went. I've got to believe that there had been some issues already in the home. I've got to imagine that the, the, the son was already a little bit discontented where he was. I've got to believe that the dad was a little bit at his wit's end. You know? I've got to honestly believe that there was more to this than just, Hey, Dad, can I have my portion? Can I have my inheritance now? Sure, son, go right ahead. But nonetheless, we begin the parable here very simply by saying, that the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And the father, he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. That was short-lived. And when he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a certain of that, a cert, to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and... Go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. As he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. He said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. He was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed. I at any time, I've never transgressed, excuse me, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Again, this is one of the most popular of all the parables, isn't it? Probably you go on the street corner and talk to uh, ten people, and the majority of them would say, Oh, the prodigal son. I've, I've heard of that. I don't necessarily know the story, but I've heard of the prodigal son. They've heard of something about a prodigal son. A very popular parable. But I believe that this particular parable appeals to people because we can identify with it. Because it's, it hits us where we live. 
Maybe you had a young man or a young lady in your home as a child or, or someone staying with you that was kind of leaning in this direction or maybe had taken that path, that direction, that course, and you can identify with the Father. Maybe you were that young man, that young lady at some point in your life, and you can identify with the prodigal son. Maybe you were that brother or sister or family member that, that was faithful and consistent and the prodigal had left and came back and everybody made a big deal about them and here you were faithful and consistent the whole time and you felt like the older brother. I think that we can identify with this because it deals with issues like rebellion and forgiveness and restoration, issues that we must face and deal with on a regular consistent basis. Isn't this really the ongoing theme of our lives? Isn't this what we face and deal with in every single relationship that we're in? It's our narrative, in a sense. And I believe today, as we look at this particular narrative, as we consider the prodigal son, we can learn a couple of basic truths today. Let's take a look at his life just a little bit and see if we can't glean from him today. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity that we have to gather in this place. Holy Spirit of God, fill me. May I be your mouthpiece today. Lord, I have nothing to offer your people except you give it to them through me and I be yielded to you completely. They need you today, not me. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd just be with every listening ear as well and anoint the ears that every listener so that they can hear with spiritual ears and that they can truly glean from your word what you'd have them to glean, that they can get exactly what the Spirit of God knows indeed they need. Now, Father, may we leave here better for having come. May we be different and may we allow you to work in our life. God of heaven, it's high tide time that, Lord... We, we recognize the need for change in our life. The fact that we, we need a relationship that is much deeper. We need somehow, Father, to know you at another level. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, may you bring that to pass today, even now. May you touch us in a supernatural, miraculous way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First of all, I want to notice sin. His sin. Look, if you will, verse 12 and 13. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. First of all, we see his carnality here. He walked by sight, not by faith. This young man, he lived with a dad who obviously owned a tremendous amount of land, who had a very productive farm, if you would say. He had... Different. Uh, he had plenty of money, had the, the comforts of life. So much so that dad was able to disperse his, his inheritance even before he died. So we, we are in a situation here where this young man, all he can see, however, is just things, things, things. I want it now. I've got to have it now. I'm not content with what I have. I want more. I want my freedom. I want to be able to go and do what I want to do. I'm tired of the rules. I'm tired of the, the regulations. I'm tired of the standards. I just want to do what I want to do. I don't want anybody telling me how I should live, how I should act, how I should think, where I should go, who I should be with, what I should do. I want to be my own boss. That's what this young man was all about. Very carnal. Very fleshly. Self was his motto, not others. He didn't care if it would hurt his dad. It didn't matter how it would affect his brother. It didn't matter how it would affect the business. All that mattered was him, his feelings, his needs, his desires, his wants, his longings. 
He considered only himself. And no one else mattered. Very fleshly. Very carnal. People say, well, I'm making this decision. It's, it's a decision that affects me. It doesn't affect you. This is my decision. It affects my life. It doesn't matter what you or anyone else thinks because this is about me. It doesn't hurt nobody else. That's a lie. That's a lie. I don't understand why a woman can abort a baby that it took two to make without the husband or without the boyfriend or without the guy. I don't understand how that works. It's her body. It's my body. It's nobody else's. Well, what's in you is somebody else's. Now, I don't very very popular today, but I could care less because the Bible, first of all, you shouldn't be sleeping around till you're married. Amen. Can't be having relationships till you're married according to the Word of God. That's how we get in that mess. Anybody ever figure out why we're in such a mess in our world today? Because we've abandoned God's laws. Then we don't even want to stand up and preach about it because we're so afraid people won't come to church. I got to believe, I believe there's people in the world that want the truth. I still believe that God can change lives. I still believe that if we do things God's way, we get God's results. And God's results are always better than the world's. The prodigal son is a perfect shining example of that. A perfect example. He's carnal. Notice his character. He could not say no to himself. He lacked discipline. He couldn't say no. I just got to have it now. That's a lack of discipline. You walk into a room. You're on a diet. You see pie. You know you can't eat it. Do you? What? Guess what that's called? A lack of discipline. A lack of discipline, right? Hey, listen, the prodigal's not the only one that wars with these things. We all do. A lack of discipline. And you know what? We really want to be honest with ourselves. We'd have to say, well, in a sense, I, I lack some character if I lack discipline. Because, isn't, I mean, isn't that really true? Now, we don't like to look at it that way. We like to say, well, I'm just weak. Well, what's weak about you? Your character. You have no self-discipline in that area. Now, all of us have done this. So we're all on the same, I mean, we're all in it together. Probably every one of us have tried to stay away from the pie at some point. But nonetheless, this young man was carnal. He, notice his character. Notice his choices now. I mean, he was carnal, fleshly. It was all about him. His character, he couldn't say no to himself. So notice his choices. Do you know that your character always affects your choices? Do you know that? It always does. The path of least resistance is often paved with compelling excuses, isn't it? It's often easier to choose wrong over right. But you know what? There is never, ever an excuse that can justify that. No excuse justifies wrong over right. He chose sin. He chose Satan, in a sense. He chose his flesh. He chose to do this. He made a decision. However, Jesus Christ says, you're either for me or against me. Was the young man for God or was he against God then? He's against God. Because God says that he ought to obey his parents. And I'll guarantee you, his daddy didn't want him to leave. Well, he didn't tell me I couldn't. You knew what your daddy really wanted. Quit playing that game. You knew dad wanted you to stay 
Over and over again, he begged you to change your attitude. Over and over again, he begged you to change your friends. Over and over again, he told you that it wasn't good for you. It wasn't positive. It wasn't productive for you to, to watch those things, to listen to those things, to do those things, to go those places. And you, re, you disregarded it completely. But then all of a sudden you say, well, when I ask him, I'm, I want my inheritance and I want to go my own direction. Fine, fine, go. That's what dad said. He said I could go. I've got his stamp of approval. Not really. You drove him to it. This was his choice. This was his decision. His sin. And by the way, when we sin, whose choice is it? Ours. Nobody else's but ours. No one makes us sin. By the way, if somebody makes you do something that goes contrary to Scripture and they force you to do it, then you didn't do it. They did it. I mean, if they force you. You say, I, I got drunk because somebody put a bottle in my mouth, shoved it halfway down my throat, and I ended up drinking too much and I got drunk. If they shoved it down your throat, held it there till you gagged, and you end up getting drunk from that, is that really your, you chose to get drunk? No, that you didn't make that decision. That, you're not in sin. They are. But if they hand you the bottle and go, we're going to make you drink this if you don't drink it. Okay. They made me. Okay. His sin. Notice his sorrow. Verse 14. Notice his sorrow here. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave, him, gave unto him. Notice he was starving. This is, now, now watch this now. You see his sin. Now notice his sorrow. As a result of his sin, we find this young man starving in verse 14. He had spent, there's a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want. His money's running out. He doesn't have what he needs to sustain life now. At least at the level that he chose. For sure. And before it's over with, this guy has nothing to eat. We find later in that passage that he would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. No man gave unto him. This guy is starving. Sin never pays what it promises. Never pays what it promises. It's always a bad investment. Sin's always a bad investment. You, you don't have to do that. Is there, is there any way we do that? I really don't want you to shoot video of me while we, we're doing that back here. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. We'll get that worked out. We will get that worked out, but I don't, I don't want to do that. that. That distracts me. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Sin never pays what it promises. I, I understand why she'd want to do that. I mean, look. You, you understand it, right? Okay, just making sure you do. But anyway, sin never pays what it promises. It always is a bad investment. I invested in Navistar International stock back, in the, back a long time ago. Navistar International. Navistar International was ideal lease. It turned to ideal lease at one point. It was, it was just, anyway, it was a big company, a trucking company, Navistar Trucks, all of that good stuff. Anyway, I invested in Navistar International. I was just a, a young man, probably early 20s, maybe even late teens. I'm not sure which. Anyway, I purchased this stock for $7, 7 and 7 eighths, which is almost $8 a share, okay? And so I was told, I was given good advice. I was told, listen, this stock is likely to rise to 12 in just a matter of a couple of months. 
Within the next quarter, we anticipate it going to 10 to $12. I mean, it is a sure thing, right? Well, I, I had the stock for some time, and it did. It fluctuated between 7 and 8 for a long time. Actually, it even got up to 9 and so forth. But then one day it happened. I mean, one day it happened. Every stock owner's dream. I received paperwork stating that my stock was going to split. I love that. I was excited. I was like, yeah. Man, that's what every stock owner wants, right? Stock to split. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, I've watched stocks split in the past, right? You have 100 shares. They split in half. You get 200 shares, right? They, 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 that's amazing. I was excited. I'm going to have double the shares now. I received that paperwork, and they said it was going to split. I mean, it was a bull market. It was the 80s. It was my turn to get in on the gravy train. When the details of the split finally hit the news, it had taken a 10 to 1 backward split. My 100 shares became 10 shares. Can you imagine that? It didn't split in my favor. It split it against me. And that's how my life has gone ever since. <clears throat> well, actually, it was my... Yeah. I was going to say, I, I really thought I was going to have 1,000 shares. But instead, I had 10. A backward split. Can you imagine that? Trust me, I, I lived it. I can imagine. <clears throat> and you know what? That's how sin works. Sin always promises you a tremendous return on your investment. It's going to produce. I'm promising you it's going to be good. You're going to be glad you stepped out in this direction. No, you won't. No, you won't. It never, never pays. It never pays what it promises. Not only was he starving, he was a slave. In verse 15, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. He joined himself. This wasn't his property. This wasn't anything he owned. But he had nowhere else to turn. He had nowhere else to go. He had no other options. So in a sense, he was a slave to this man and a slave to this job. He was a slave to these swine he was at the mercy of that man. His sin brought him to slavery. Sin always brings us to slavery. You can't serve two masters. You're serving somebody, either the Lord or Satan. Which one are you serving? That's a reality. In this particular case, he's serving another man. He wasn't serving the Lord. He's serving Satan. He is a slave to Satan and sin. And you know what? When it was all said and done, this guy sunk. Verse 16 simply says, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. No man gave unto him. He had nothing. He was sunk. It was over with. He was desperate. He was all alone. Where were his friends now? Where were all of those that shared in the, the, rivalry, the revelry of his, his finances? I mean, when he first arrived in town, I mean, it was, it was on. He's buying drinks for everybody. They're on the house. And people run up, man, you're the best, man. Slapping him in the back, telling him how wonderful he is. Man, he said, oh, come on in. We're having a big party today. It's all on me. Boy, you got a lot of friends when you're paying for it. He had no friends now. He's all alone. Can't even find anything to eat. That's where sin leads us, by the way. Sin's a very lonely path, ultimately. At first, it seems like there's everybody in your corner. It seems like life is fun and good. And boy, there's all kind of friends to hang out with and do things with. Let me tell you something. Sooner or later, you get deep enough in sin, everybody will leave you behind. 
I want you to notice something here very quickly. Notice, if you would, in verse 14, the first phrase, And when he had spent all. You see that? When he had spent all. Can I tell you when it comes to sin, it is always when, not if. You say, what do you mean? It always costs you everything. And it's when, not if, it'll cost you everything. It cost him his fortune. It cost him his self-respect. It cost him his reputation. It cost him his family. It cost him everything. If only his daddy could see me, see him now. If only his, his mama could see him now. If only his, his friends could see him now from the hometown. If they could only travel there where he was, see him feeding the swine and eating the food that they left behind. And that's something. That's where sin leads you. Everybody, you know, we get so high and mighty, we get so pompous and so arrogant and so prideful about ourselves. We say to ourselves, I would never end up in a place like the Haven of Rest. I would never end up in some kind of drug rehab. I would never end up hooked on pornography. I would never have a problem with infidelity. I would never end up there. Not me. Not me, buddy. All right. Okay. You go ahead and think that. I'll guarantee you this young man didn't think he'd end up where he did either. Yeah, but he just didn't have the self-will. He just couldn't pull himself up by his bootstraps. I've got some character. I can handle it. I can deal with it. I know, and you don't need God either, right? Because if you can handle it, you don't need Him. Notice it wasn't Let me skip because of time. Third is his surrender. Notice his surrender now. We notice his sin. We notice his sorrow. Notice, though, some things change now here. And this is awesome. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to, to, to spare? And I perish with hunger. Notice he's not asking a question. He's making a statement. You see that? That's important there. See that? He's making a statement. He's, he's like, he came to him and he says, How many of my hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? He's, he's not asking a question. He's, not a, he's stating a fact. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired, hired servants. He finally came to a point of careful inspection. He came to a point of careful inspection here. I mean, notice he came to himself, the Bible says. He came, finally came to himself. I mean, he finally woke up and smelled the coffee. The lights finally came on. I mean, after all this, this downhill slide, after all the bad decisions, after trying to fight it out after trying to deal with it. I don't know how many months went by. I don't know how many years went by in his life. The Bible doesn't really tell us. 
It probably wasn't a few weeks of misery. Misery. It probably wasn't even a few months of misery. I got to believe that this young man was full of pride or he'd have never left his father's house on the, the terms that he did. And so now he's fighting it. He's saying, I'm not going to admit that I can't handle it in the world. I'm not going to tell people that I'm bound by drugs. I'm not going to admit that I can't overcome drink if, and alcohol if I really wanted to. I'm not going to tell you that I can't overcome this, this, this binding of Satan in the area of, of my thought life. I'm not going to tell people that I can't overcome the pornography in my life or dealing with the internet. I don't need to get rid of my computer. I don't need to get rid of my phone. I don't need to get off of it. No, not at all. I can deal with it. And all along, he stayed in that pigsty. All along, he ate the husk. All along, he was filthy. All along, he was sinful. All along, because he's too prideful to admit that he was human. And he's just a sinner like every last one of us. And so he wallowed in the slop, probably, who knows, for years, before he finally woke up. Isn't that usually how it works? But he finally did, though. He came to himself. Notice this change of direction. Verse 18, we notice, and he said, I'll rise and go to my father. Well, that's, that's something, isn't it? He was running from daddy. Now he's running to daddy. How many of you, don't raise your hands, please. <clears throat> when you were 16, 17, 18, 19, found yourself wanting to run from mom and dad. And you got to be about 22, maybe 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. And you went, wow, was I stupid. Don't even raise your hands. I remember writing a note to my dad when I was 20, 22 years old, I believe. 21 or 22. I was in the military. I was overseas in, in Germany. And I remember writing a note to my dad and basically saying to him, Dad, you sure seem like a genius now. And basically, if I could sum it up, and I really was pretty stupid. I'm sure glad that you held your ground. I'm sure glad you didn't give in. I'm so glad that you took a stand on some things. And I may not be the perfect son, and I wasn't, but I surely appreciate you more than I did then. That, that's, that's what's going on in this young man's life now. He's waking up to the reality that mom and dad aren't stupid. That life is bigger than him. And that he's got to face some issues in his life. And he's coming to himself. And he changes his direction now. His dad had seemed so old-fashioned. He seemed so conservative. His outlook, his worldview was just too narrow for this young man at that time. I mean, are you kidding me? That I have to go to church if I live in your home? Yes. Yes. You have to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if you live in my house. Yes, you do. Because that's what we do as a family. That's what we do in our home. I don't care if you visit me and come over. your Uncle Johnny and you're going to spend three weeks with me. You're coming to church when the doors are open. Because you don't live in my home, you don't eat my food, you don't take my shelter and then think you're going to live how you want to live. You live the way we live when you're in my house. 
You want to live your way? You go find your own place. Thank you, preacher. You're a blessing. And you, 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 yeah, yeah, that, that's it. But, but your standards are too strict. Doesn't matter. Then go find your own. Have your own. There's the door. I'm sorry, folks, but we live in a day where we think we've got to accept everything. Well, we just got to take it on the chin. Well, you can't make your kids do anything. Once they hit 18, it's over. Are you kidding me? I don't care if Mrs. Covington moves in. You move into my house, Mrs. Covington, you're coming to church with us. Unless you're sick, in the hospital, or making me something really good for dinner. One of those three. <laughs> Notice his reflection, his correct reflection. We've got to close this thing out, so I've got to get to one more point. He finally saw himself in the proper light. He saw himself as what? Unworthy. Verse 19. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. How many times have you known someone, and hopefully it's not too close to home, but you've known someone who went off into sin and, and they made bad decisions. You prayed with them. You, you prayed for them. You, you, you might have pleaded with them. You begged with them. Please don't go that direction. Please reconsider. And, and they, they make their own choice. At some point, you can't make people's choices for them. I don't care how godly of a parent you are. I don't care how good of a parent you are. Sooner or later, young men, young ladies make their own decisions. But hold on. Hold on. Watch this. Wives, by the way, make their own decisions. Husbands make their own decisions. You, you can't make people do anything. The only authority that we have is the authority people give us, really, in the end. You say, God says you have the authority. I do, but that doesn't mean that I can make someone bow to my will. What do you want me to do? Get, you know, get that old thumb screw thing, put it on their thumb and just tighten it up. Rip. Ah! You will do what I say. Yes, ah! Put them on the rack. Stretch them out. Will you take out the trash, young man? Well, I'm 22 years old, Dad, and I'm going to college, and I ain't got time to take out the trash. But you're living under my roof, so you get to take the trash out. Put him on the rack. He won't do it. Okay, I'll do it. Just don't pull that shoulder out of place too. Doesn't work that way, does it? You can't do that. At some point, you, you don't have that kind of authority. You only have that before they turn 18. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, man, I had to get rid of a lot of things when my kids hit 18. That one thing I really liked was the one with the spikes and you close them in it. You know, and they have to stand there for hours without moving or they'll fall into some, you know, needles and stuff. But anyway, no, I'm joking. I never had stuff like that. You've seen that, you know, on Vincent Price movies. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> but this guy came to, he came to his senses. He says, I'm unworthy. Hey, you've known them, haven't you? They've left like that. And when they come back, they want to tell you how it's going to be still. Well, I, I just, okay, I'll, I want to move back in. I, I want to come back and, and, and serve in the church. I, I, I want to get back where I used to be. Okay, well, it's just going to take a little time. Let's, let me see your attitude in this. What do you mean? God forgave me. Why won't you? God forgave me. Why won't you? Let me ask you, is that the kind of spirit and attitude you want to see out of someone who's supposed to be repentant? 
That's not what this young man did. This young man goes to his dad and says, Dad, I'm not even worthy to be called your son now. And I don't expect you to ever call me your son. Just let me serve as one of your hired servants. Treat me like a servant. I'll live out there with them. I'll eat what they eat. I'll do whatever. But being here is better than being in that world. I'll do anything. But I'm, I'm not worthy anymore. I lost that when I took my steps out that door and squandered my inheritance and lived riotously. Where's that attitude of humility out of people that walk off into sin? Who make mistakes? Mistakes. Let's be honest. Who make bad decisions and sin against God? A mistake is something you make unwittingly. But when you know you're doing something wrong, that's not a mistake. That's called rebellion. That's called sin. And that's what this young man did. He knew exactly what he was doing. But when he came back, how did he come back? Broken. Humble. May I say to you today that God wants us to come back to him broken? Humble. I'm just going to stop the message right there. We're going to end it right there. But let me just, let me just as believers today, how's your Christian life? How's your, how's your obedient level? I mean, if you say, I'm, I'm 100% obedient to God in every area of my life. Now, let's go and start backing that down now. Well, okay, I'm not 100% because I, don't, I know God tells me I should do this, but I, I don't do that, so I'm only 90. And, and God tells me I'm only 80. And I'm only 75% obedient. And you're sitting in a service, and God convicts you of something in your life that needs to change. Is your attitude, well, I'm doing pretty good. I hear what you're telling me, Lord. I know that you're telling me I'm wrong in this area or that I need to change something in this area of my life. But I'm doing pretty good everywhere else, so I'm not so bad. That's not how this prodigal son was. He came back humbled. We ought to go to our Father in heaven and say, God, I don't even deserve. I know I'm your child, but I don't deserve. I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. I have sinned against you. I've rebelled in my heart against you. I have gone my own way. I've led my own life. I've gone my own pathway. I don't deserve it. We've read the parable, though, too many times because we know how it ends, don't we? How's it end? Daddy says, Come home with Papa. And he does. But because he does, we forget to do what the prodigal did. We say, Dad's got to take me back in. He's God. God's got to show mercy and compassion. He even says he will in the Bible. If I just come back, he's obligated to take me back. I know what the book says, preacher. But God never said... God. This, young, this man ran out to his son, but look at the attitude his son had. If he'd have got out there, I'm telling you this, I believe this with all my heart. Joshua, come running up here now. Here comes Joshua walking up here. And the father sees him afar off. There's my son. Oh, son, son, son. <laughs> so good to have you home. <laughs> if he says, well, I just came back, Dad, to see how everybody's doing. And honestly, I, I, I'd like to stay here, but I don't want nothing to do with your God and your rules. If I come back, I'm going to want to live how I want to live. You know what that prodigal father, that father of that prodigal son would have done, don't you? He said, son, let me tell you something. 
I love you with all my heart. And I want to be sitting on that porch looking down that road every day for you to come back. But as long as you've got rebellion in your heart, you're going to have to go live your life, son, because you can't live that way under my roof. Dad loves you with all his heart, but you have to be willing to submit and surrender yourself. Come on in and have something to eat, son, before you get ready to go. You know what? Until we get to the point where we understand that our Father in Heaven doesn't have to act like the parents in America, that, that He doesn't respond the way humans do to these kind of issues, where He says right is still right, wrong is still wrong, they're still good and they're still evil, and there ought to be a brokenness, there ought to be humility. Hey, listen, you don't come to the cross in pride and arrogance. You don't come to the cross with your sin. You come broken. You bring the sin, but God sees your heart first. He says, oh, he's humble. He's broken. He's surrendered. He's, he's crying out for mercy. And God accepts us. He washed our sin away. But don't come saying, I've got my sin, God, and I, you're, I'll let you have me. But I want you to understand, I'm not going to give up my alcohol. I'm not going to give up my drinking, uh, my, my, uh, my drugs. I'm not going to give up pornography. Don't. Don't even ask me for those things. Oh, you can... I'll be part of your family. I'll give you that honor. But don't you dare tell me how I'm going to live. You can't be saved with that attitude. You can't be. I'm telling you, you can't, I don't care how many times you pray, Lord, save me, I believe in you. But I'll never do what you tell me. I'll do what I want to do. If you came to God with that spirit, you are as lost as lost can be. I didn't say you had to come going, I've got to give up every sin in my life to be saved. No, 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 but you have to come humble. That's what I'm saying. You have to come saying, Lord, here I am. I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. I don't even know if I could ever live the way you want me to live, Lord. There's no way I could ever do it, but I'm just here. Oh, God, forgive me. Save me. That's all. Brokenness is what God's looking for. He's looking for that out of the lost. He's looking for that out of the saved today. Men, this week, how many of you looked at girls you shouldn't have looked at on the Internet? How many of you? Don't raise your hands, please. Please do not. You will shock everybody in this room. I'm not joking. You'd be, I'm telling you. I'm telling you it's much, a much bigger problem than any of us want to admit. How many? How many I mean, I'm, I'm just asking the question. How many of you saw things you shouldn't have saw and you knew you were looking at things you shouldn't have been looking at, but you did anyway? Why is it that we come to church and we'll leave here exactly the same? Yeah, I'm a good Christian. I came to church. No brokenness. Neither can they blush. We're not in the least bit concerned. Folks, listen to me. It's time we get honest with God about who we really are. It's time we wake up and smell the coffee. It's time we realize that God's a holy God and that's what he wants out of us. And when we come to a holy God, we ought to come on our face, not on our feet. Father, help us, Lord. I know in my own life, Lord, so many times I feel like I deserve so